Well, good morning, Chillicothe Bible Church. Glad y'all are here this morning. Uh, to, uh, young people are dismissed to Children's Church. If you are uh, up through fourth grade, in fact, today, you can come to, uh, to Children's Church. Sandy is ready for you. Um, got a couple things I just want to just mention by way of um, um, just encouragement and also prayer. Uh, first of all, uh, as Kenton mentioned, I don't. I, I know all of you weren't here for this, but um, but Kenton mentioned here this morning uh, the the fact that small groups are coming up, and they are. And if you are assembled here every week, and you come into this room and you greet people and you say hi and. And uh, we ask, how are you, brother? How are you doing, sister? And so forth. And that's all great. But if you actually want to develop relationships with people uh, where they become your brothers and sisters, you're going to need to get yourself in a small group. And beyond that, um, if, you want to, uh, if you want to experience some, a time of intense personal growth, in your relationship with Jesus, and you have not done this yet, and you've not learned how to do some of these things yet, uh, I would encourage you to, uh, to sign up for the 2-7 group that I am going to lead. It's Navigators 2-7, based on Colossians 2-7, about being rooted and built up uh, in Christ, and growing and being strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. We've got several people who have already launched into that process with us on Sunday morning. Our youth group is doing it on Sunday morning also. Uh, and so you can kind of catch up with the young people uh, in our church uh, who are learning to memorize Scripture, learning to study the Bible on their own, learning to do a quiet time on their own, uh, learning to walk with Jesus at, at, a, uh, at a young age, which is you're never too young to learn to walk with Jesus. And you're never too old either. And, um, and so it's exciting. That'll be on Wednesday night. Uh, if you want to join in with that, uh, that'll be a great time. Uh, we'll be starting with book one, and we'll go through all three books this year. We'll meet weekly. And so there's some commitment to that. Uh, but you'll learn uh, about 30 verses of Scripture, and uh, we'll have that coming up. So that'll be exciting. Um, we'll have another sermon-based group. Sunday afternoon, if you guys are wanting to plug into that, and that'll be that'll be great too. The other thing I want to just mention by way of prayer, a couple of the elders and I uh, are uh, working hard to uh, not to replace Stephen and Jenny, but to fill that position. Uh, Stephen and Jenny are irreplaceable, but we we need to fill that position as. Uh, uh, student and children's discipleship pastor here, and we are having our first uh, s uh, interviews via Skype, uh, so kind of virtually face-to-face, -face. Uh, on Tuesday night, beginning at 6.30. Uh, there'll be a few of us uh, gathered to interview a couple of, a couple of men. Uh, I'm now old enough to be one of these guys' dads. That makes me feel supremely old. Um, <laughs> but uh, in any case... Uh, we're going to be interviewing and seeking the Lord on these, uh, on these two men on Tuesday night. So I would encourage you to pray for us uh, in that process. 
And uh, maybe even pray for us uh, on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8.30 that God would lead that process. Uh, We never as elders want to be a a group of people that are just men making decisions. We want to be God's men who seek His will and then lead the church in the direction of following Jesus. We're not just a group of guys getting together and saying, so what do you think? Um, We never want to do that. We want to uh, we want to do what God is calling us to do. So, uh, if you would join us in prayer for that, and then join me in prayer here this morning as we begin. Uh, Father, we thank you that you do lead us by your Holy Spirit. That you, uh, after you go to all of the effort of saving us, you do not leave us as orphans. You bring us into your family. And you give us your Holy Spirit to lead us, and you give us your word to instruct us, and you do point the way that we need to go, and what remains for us is to walk in it. And Father, I pray you would lead us by your word and your Holy Spirit this morning, and each day as we open our eyes to a new day of following Christ, Father, may we follow you faithfully. Father, I pray for our small group ministry and for our WANA ministry and for our MOPS ministry that are all starting here in a few weeks as the fall ministries kick off. Father, I pray for you to be glorified in those things and that we might grow and learn and be more like Christ as a church and as individuals as a result. And I pray for this search process that we are in. Father, I pray that that you would point out Uh, your man for this church and that you would make it really obvious so that we uh, don't mess that decision up we want your will and father i pray for our time together in your word this morning that you would help us to have ears to hear and hearts that are eager to obey when it comes to these things and we pray in jesus name amen Well, uh, this morning we are going to return to a difficult topic, something that is honestly not my favorite subject to preach about, uh, but was one of the topics that, uh, particularly in our day, I need to address regularly. And I'm speaking, of course, about sexual immorality. Uh, In the book of Proverbs, uh, you know, in the first seven chapters, God addresses sexual immorality four times. Four times. Chapter 2, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Four times He speaks about it. Uh, Which seems to indicate that the Lord thinks this is something we need to hear more than once. And so, uh, I want to be faithful to what God's opinion on these things is and make sure that we hear it more than once. Amen? Uh, this is the sin that dominates not only the culture, but the church. And, uh, and even people who, are, who have heretofore had a good reputation are ensnared by this. I, you know, just this last week, there were mass resignations at one of the largest and most well-known churches in the country over this issue. 
of a senior pastor who was caught up in all kinds of illicit activity with members of his congregation, members of his staff, and then an elder board and a uh, staff that acted to protect him despite now 10 different women having come forward. This is not good. And this kind of thing is a danger not only to young people to whom this passage in particular is addressed, but to all people. Uh, one, of my great, one, of, one of the great books that I would recommend that you read at some point is an old book. Uh, a lot of times old books are the best books because if they're, they're still around and still being printed, they have stood the test of time. But one of these is from, I think it's about 1620. There's a Puritan pastor named Thomas Brooks. And he, he wrote a book, he wrote a number of books, but one of the books that he has that's still in print is called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And one of the, and you know, it's just little short readings. Uh, you can read them as part of your devotions every morning. It's a good deal. Uh, but one of the readings that sticks out in my memory is that he says one of Satan's devices is to act like a fisherman. And what a fisherman does, if, you, if you've been fishing, you know, we watch the kids catch fish and so forth. What a fisherman does is he takes that worm and he threads it onto the hook so that the hook is not visible. And then the fish goes, hmm, must have rained recently. There's an earthworm that's washed into the lake. Yum. And then he bites down. And it's tasty. And everything is so good, right? Right up until that moment where the bobber goes under and the fisherman goes, yank. And then all of a sudden, that piece of steel goes up through his lip and he starts being hauled to the bank. And the idea is... The idea that Thomas Brooks said was this. He says, Satan's favorite trick is to present the bait and hide the hook. And we're going to see some illustrations of that actually in Proverbs 6 and 7 here as we talk about sexual immorality today. Uh, I do not want to know about you, but I do not want to go through life uh, being hooked and ensnared and drugged to my death by the devil. Instead, what I want to do is I want to go through life enjoying God's good gifts and including His gift of sex and do so in a way that honors God and doesn't damage me. And in fact, that, that builds up my life in a way that, that is uh, something that is life-giving rather than life-taking. Amen? And so we want to look at that beginning in Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse 20. And then we're going to go all the way through chapter 7 today. So uh, don't worry, football's not on yet. Uh, so you've got no reason you need to go home. All right, but you do need to hear, you do need to hear from God this morning. So uh, Proverbs chapter 6, beginning verse 20. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. 
When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Now what the Father is doing in these verses is laying out two different pathways for His Son. Now some of you are old enough, you may remember uh, the Led Zeppelin song, Stairway to Heaven. Right? And it starts out, there are two roads that you can go on. Right? And that's true. There are two roads that you can go on. And one road is the road of obeying God and listening to your Heavenly Father's instruction. And that road leads to life and blessing and honor and praise from God. And then there is the other road. And that road leads to death and destruction, and pain, and difficulty, and suffering. And you've got to pick which one. In fact, you, you get to pick. You get the great honor and privilege of being able to pick which road you'd like. And what the Father is doing is saying here, look, if you follow the commandments, and it's not just follow It's embrace and make them part of your life. If your son is devoted to obeying the commands of his father, if he makes them part of his daily life, as verse 20 and 21 tell him to, that these these commands will make his life better. They will lead him on the road of his daily life. And they'll watch over him as he sleeps. And they will speak to him. In daily life. And the way these verses are phrased, it ought to remind us of of Deuteronomy chapter 6, where it says that you're as a father to talk talk about God's Word to your kids as you walk along the road and as you lie down and as you rise up. And... And you're to put them on the doorposts of your houses and on your wrists and on your forehead. And the idea is, is, that, the, is that God's Word is to be integrated into daily life. And that's what the Father is saying. Look, you got, son, you've got to listen here. You've got to integrate God's commands into daily life. And if you do, you'll be able to see through the dark. Because life is confusing and you don't always know the way you're supposed to go. But if you walk with God, you'll be able to see through the dark. You will be the guy with the flashlight when everybody else is stumbling around not knowing where to go. You'll be the guy who knows how to walk with God and how to follow Him. And it is going to give you protection from the temptations of illicit sex. Now again, this is the third time so far, we're at chapter 6, so this is the third time that God has mentioned this and warned against it. And it's because lots and lots of people decide to plant that seed and then they later in life reap a bitter harvest as a result. 
And they sow the, the wind and reap the whirlwind in their life. And if you, by the way, let me just say this. If you're a parent, you need to keep an open line of communication with your kids on these things. This is the third time the father's brought this up with his boy. If I, you know, I've got daughters too, and we talk about this stuff at our house. It's not the talk. It needs to be like it is here in Proverbs, the talks. Repeatedly, right? Repeatedly this comes up. That, hey, by the way, you guys want to honor God in this part of your life. Because... Your mom and I chose to honor God in this part of our life, and we are still, all these years later, reaping God's blessing as a result. And at, the, at, at, at this, at this point where my kids look at us and go, ooh, that's gross, I don't want to hear about it, okay? But they need to hear that also. They need to hear about the warning, and they need to hear about God's blessing. And that there is blessing with obedience to God, and there is difficulty and pain and disobedience to God, and that walking with God is the blessed and the best way to go. And this needs to be a repeated conversation. It should come up regularly, and they need to know what God expects of them. And we have told our kids, look, if you've got any questions about anything related to sex, we will be happy to tell you. We'd be happy to tell you. You don't need to go to your friends. You don't need to look stuff up on the internet. You don't need to, um, you know, to watch some TV show to fill you in. You can come to mom and dad and we'll give you the straight scoop on everything as it relates to that part of life. And we will tell you what God says about it and we'll give you the straight story. You can always trust what we tell you. We know what this was about. And, and among the things that your kids need to know and that we need to know as believers in Christ is what happens if you pick the other pathway. Amen? And the Father lays that out on uh, verses 25 to 35. You either follow the Father's wisdom or you can be destroyed by adultery. It says, Do not desire her beauty in your heart and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He, he who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse though you multiply gifts. Verse 25 is a warning. A person who wants to lead you into sin or wants to participate with you in sin will be appealing. Will be appealing. This is not going to be, you know, like a troll under a bridge that jumps out and says, hey, uh, you want to you get together? That's not what's going to happen. That's not how temptation works. 
Men, she will look at you in a way that makes you weak in the knees. You will look in her eyes and every part of you will respond. That's what he was talking about when it says, don't be captured by her eyelashes, right? It's not that she's got them long enough where she can tie you up with them. It's that, <laughs> it's that she ensnares you in the way that she looks at you. And ladies, you know, I, I don't think that many of you have ever had a man bat his eyelashes at you and had you be entranced, but you get the point. And the point is that this person, man or woman, will present an attractive package and everything in your body will be saying yes at that moment. And the only thing that will keep you from going there is a prior commitment to obeying God that you have bound to your heart, that you have tied around your neck like a collar that says no. Because if obeying God is not more important than obeying your own desires, you're going to obey your own desires. Amen? It's going to happen. So obeying God has to be bound up to your heart. Now, verse 26. Um, don't get confused by verse 26. Uh, it's a very difficult to, to translate and interpret uh, verse. Uh, the NIV and the ESV, uh, the newer version of the NIV anyway, and the ESV render it as I read it. But the King, the King James, the old NIV, and the NAS render it for a prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. And I think that's the better translation. And what it means is this, is that don't think that you're in love with this chick. To you, you are, to her, you are just a meal ticket. You're just a meal ticket. This isn't, this isn't love. This isn't, this isn't courtship. This isn't a relationship that, that is uh, going anywhere. This is someone who is using you just as surely as you are using them. And by the way, adultery will take your life. And it's going to be, there is going to be a cost. And the idea there of verse 26 is, is that you know, with a prostitute, you see the cost up front, right? How much? Oh, it'll be $200 or whatever. Right? But with, an, with adultery, the cost might seem like, oh, this is free. But no. Price is going to be paid. The price is going to be paid. And here's what it is. Um, verse 30 says that stealing, that, that adultery is like stealing because they're analogous sins. Only in the one case, you're not stealing food or not stealing possessions, you're stealing affection from someone else's spouse. And under the law, under the Old Testament law, these verses are talking about is that, that under the Old Testament law, you uh, had to repay whatever you stole up to sevenfold the value of what you, re of what you stole. 
And people don't despise a hungry thief, even if he steals, but he still has to meet the requirements of justice. And it, you have to meet the requirements of justice even if it costs you everything. And adultery is going to cost you even more than that. Because there will be no restitution. There will be no making it up to the offended spouse. Ask somebody who has been a victim of adultery if there's anything that you as the other participant can do to make it up to them. What will they say? You can die slowly, cut into a thousand pieces. It would probably be about the kindest answer that you would get, right? There is no making it up to that person who is the victim. And on top of that, you will get dishonor. You'll get the destruction of your reputation. You might get physically injured or even killed. Because adultery has a way of causing somebody's jealousy to arise. I'll give you another song from the 70s. Remember Leonard Skinner? They had a song that said, Give me three steps. Guy was in adultery with another man's wife, and the husband came home. And Smith and Wesson was in his hand. Right? And so the guy is pleading for his own life. Give me three steps. Give me three steps, mister. Give me three steps to the door. Give me three steps. Give me three steps, mister. You'll never see me no more. Right? That's the idea that Proverbs 6 here is making clear that that this can cost you your life. And so to commit adultery is deeply stupid. It is deeply stupid. More than one person has gone to prison over what happens in the aftermath of adultery. It can wind up costing you your very life. Chapter 7, we get another repetition of the importance, again, for the fourth time in seven chapters, of listening to and obeying the Father's teaching. And and this, this time He tells it in the form of a story of a foolish person who did not listen and what happened. So look, look at these verses here with me. Verses 1-20. to 20. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. Call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I've seen among the simple, I've perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, and behold, a woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with a bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows, so now I've come out to meet you, 
to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. Now again, verse, verses 1 to 5 remind us what to do. Father says, in case you forgot, in case you forgot, keep my commandments. Save sex for marriage and marriage alone. You know, to quote Tony Evans, sex is like fire. In the fireplace, it's warm and wonderful and beautiful. In the living room floor, it will burn down your house. Outside of the right context, it is deeply destructive. And so the Father says, look, protect my teaching within your heart as you would the center of your eyeball. You've got a fastball coming at you. What do you do? You put your hands up in front of your face. So that you don't lose your sight, right? You do not just let it come ahead and smack you in the head. You, you protect the apple of your eye, the teaching of God's Word. You protect this. You hold this in your heart. Your heart and your hands, according to these verses, need to be occupied with obeying God. And in that is wisdom and protection from sexual sin and all the damage that it does. When it says, you know, say to wisdom, you're my sister, the idea, um, the idea in the Hebrew there is this, that, that to have a sister was regarded as an as a intimate relationship. Not a sexually intimate relationship, but like your closest friend would be your sister. She would be the one that you shared everything with. The person who you listened to and whose advice you took. Uh, the person who is closest to you in your family, your sister. And, and the idea here is that you're to look at God's wisdom and to embrace it as you would the closest member of your family. And if you don't do that, you'll be like the foolish person in this little story the Father tells. What do we notice about Him? First thing we notice, it says that He is simple. He lacks good sense. In other words, He is dumb. Not that, he is, not that He is someone who doesn't score well on an IQ test. That's not what it says, that He's simple. What it means is, is that He is someone who lacks God's wisdom and who chooses not to obey it. And the testimony of Proverbs over and over is that the difference between wise people and fools is that a wise person listens to what God says and takes it in, and puts it into practice. A foolish person, a simple person, rejects God's wisdom and goes to their destruction as a result. He's, a, he's dumb. He is 
Not just young, he is unwise. And he has refused to take God's commands and make them the defining standards of his life. And the second thing that we see is that he has deliberately put himself in a situation where he's going to be tempted. He is going to the place where he knows this kind of girl hangs out. By the way, guys, if you're looking for a woman to marry, might I suggest that she will not be down at the Shadows Lounge. Okay? She will not be down at, uh, you know, uh, at, you know, wherever. Okay? She's going to be at church. She's going to be serving the Lord at church. She's going to be walking with Jesus. She's going to be in Bible study. She's going to be... Uh, somebody that you're going to be able to tell is knows Jesus. She's not going to be at some bar somewhere. She's not going to be out on the weekends getting drunk with her friends. Those are not the kind of girls you're looking for. That kind of girl is a snare and a trap. And all of a sudden... By the way, notice also this. When does he go and do this? At night. When do people go and do their stupidity? At night. This guy is out at night in a place he shouldn't be with the person he shouldn't be there with doing what he knows he ought not be doing. At some point, you've got three strikes against you and all of a sudden, here she comes, the kind of woman... That, she is hope, that he is hoping he's going to run into. She is crafty and loud. She doesn't stay home. She's waiting for just his kind of man to happen by. And she meets him, and, th- and then she kisses him aggressively. She plants one right on him. And then she just starts talking about what a great and handsome stud he is. And she even uses religious language. Check that out. I've made sacrifices. I've paid vows. In other words, I'm a good girl. Is she a good girl? No. By the way, ladies, are these kind of dudes out there? Yes. The kind that will say whatever you want to hear? Yes! They're out there. They're out there. And they are looking for you. They're hoping you stumble along. And that you are foolish enough to fall into the plan that they have for you. And... At the point where she kisses him, he has just injected straight crack into his veins. He is hooked, and he doesn't know it. But he's got the lure in his mouth. Because, let me just tell you, at the point where physical contact begins, thinking stops. Amen? We have, we have ceased being rational at that point. And what has taken over is hormones and, uh, and energies that we have no idea how to 
restrain at that moment. And the guy is hooked. And she tells him, look, I want to be with you, and I only want to be with you, and her bed is inviting, it smells good, it's exotic. She is promising you delights that you've only dreamed of. And by the way, she tells him, I want you all night long, and there is no way we're going to get caught. How do you know that you're not going to get caught? Well, my husband has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. And he's not going to be back to the full moon. So in other words, no one will know. Is this a great setting or what? And he's hooked. You know what it is? It's an illusion built on a web of lies. And he's going to get caught. And you know what else? This is not the only way this happens. Sometimes, uh, the, sometimes you get the direct approach like this. But sometimes it's a little different. Uh, years ago, uh, I was listening to Pastor Tommy Nelson at Spiritual Life Week, Dallas Seminary. First week of school, I was down there in 1998. So this is about 20 years ago. And he spoke to us young men about how to have an affair. He said, boys, let me tell you how to have an affair. He says, it's really easy. There are six steps to it. This is how it happens. And all of them start with E because of the ease by which people are led into sin. And he didn't tell us this because he's wanting to give us like encouragement this direction. But to warn us, this is... This is, this is the stupid pathway. Don't go down this road. He said the first E is this. Eliminate the intimacy from your marriage. Reduce the amount of time that you are connecting and talking and um, being together in a sexual way with your spouse. Just eliminate that. That's step one. Step two is encounter an engaging person. Encounter an engaging person. Again, this is not going to be some troll under a bridge that you're going to have an affair with. This is going to be an engaging person. This will be a neat woman. This will be a, an, 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 an interesting guy that you meet and you happen to connect with and you talk be person that you find appealing and then you'll start to the third e enjoy your relationship with that person and you will start moving him or her into the emotional space that's been formerly occupied by your spouse and you'll start thinking boy this is really nice i so enjoy my connection with him my conversations with her and then you will start to, fourth E, expedite the relationship. You'll start looking for opportunities and pursuing the relationship so that your time at lunch will coincide with when she goes on break. Or that she will start looking for you. And you'll start running into each other purposely. 
It'll be all made to seem very innocent and accidental, of course. You won't do it openly. But you'll discover that she goes to Applebee's on Tuesdays at 11.30. And you run into her and you say, Oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. Do you like Applebee's? Oh yeah, I like Applebee's. In fact, I eat here every Tuesday at 11.30. Oh, you know what? That's funny because I eat here on Tuesdays at 11.30 also. Maybe we could have lunch together sometime. And then you'll begin to slide into the fifth E where you express your feelings. You know, I sure enjoy talking to you. You volley into her court. Well, you know, I sure enjoy talking to you. Volley back. You know, I wish I could... I wish I enjoyed time with my family like I enjoy time with you. You know, I wish that for me too. You volley back. You know, I wish I could talk to my wife the way I talk to you. I wish I could talk to my husband the way I talk with you. And see, you, you, you get closer and closer and you circle closer and closer to the objective that you have in mind because you, don't, you want to be able to pull it back and make it innocent if they don't volley back. But once you get to the point of expressing your feelings to this other person and they reciprocate, you are hooked. And all that is left, all that is left, is the sixth E, which is encounter. Encounter. Where you actually get the hotel room. But before that, you have built the bridge to Fantasy Island and you are already in the process of moving in there. And you're hooked. And guess what? Your relationship with God is going to be damaged. Your relationship with your family is going to be possibly destroyed, very likely destroyed. Your reputation at church and in your community is going to be damaged, probably beyond repair. And you're hooked. But however it happens, maybe it's the direct approach, maybe it happens seemingly a little at a time, and I never meant for this to happen. But there you are. Because you were a fool and you did not step back and follow God's Word at the right time. You're destroyed. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. And all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know it will cost him his life. 
And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. This is how the story ends. With the foolish person led to their death, snared just as surely as an ox in the stockyards at Hormel. They're wandering around in that pen, and they don't know they're going to be turned into spam on the other end. They don't know. And many, many, many people have been foolish about this. And they don't know they're stepping into the grinder. People who walk down the road to immorality and adultery pay with their lives. And by the way, all of the temporal consequences of this stuff are just the warm-up. Because the reality is, you can go to hell for adultery and immorality. By the way, it won't be because you were an adulterer or because you were immoral that you go. It will be because committing those things will eventually reveal that you never knew the Lord to start with. And the longer you continue in these things without repenting, the increasing biblically justified reason you will have to doubt that you ever knew the Lord. As Hebrews says, that those who wander away you know, where the sacrifice of Jesus has been laid aside, there is no more sacrifice left to be offered, only a fearful expectation of judgment that will consume the ungodly. It, again, it is not that by committing adultery you, go, you therefore go immediately to hell. It's that committing adultery is an indicator that you don't know Jesus. Engaging in sexual immorality is a sign that you do not in fact know the Lord. Because this is not the kind of thing that the people who love and fear Jesus do. And so you need to be very, very careful when it says that her bed ultimately is in the grave in the chambers of death that's what it's talking about that you can eternally die for this i know one time this was a, this was this really happened i i sat in my office this was many years ago now uh, with a man who had left his family for a woman he met at work and this is what he said to me I said, I said, 
So, dude, you need to repent. You need to fall on your face before God and before your wife, and you need to go home, and you need to tell this woman to be gone out of your life. You need to do whatever is necessary to cut her out of your life. If you need to change jobs, change jobs. You need to change your phone number so she doesn't have it. Do whatever you have to do. If you need to not have a phone, go throw it in the lake. Do whatever you got to do, man, but you got to get free. As Paul Simon said, right? There are at least 50 ways to leave your lover. So you need to, you need to get on the bus, Gus, right? You need to be gone from this woman's life. Drop off the key, Lee, and get yourself free. Amen? And I said that to him, and he said this. He said, well, you know what? God will forgive me. I will just repent later. And I said to him this. I said, well, you're assuming that you can continue in sin and still want to repent later. And here's reality. Every sin that you commit takes you further and further and further and further away from God and deadens your soul to Him. And you may not want to repent later because what you may realize as you get out there is I never knew him to start with and I don't want to go home because it isn't home. And every day that God does not discipline you, you will have reason to doubt that you were ever his child to begin with. So the very best thing that you can hope for is that you continue down this road a few more months and then the shepherd comes after you with his stick and beats you to death as a result. Because if you are not disciplined, you were never God's child. So the very best thing you can hope for is that God will rain discipline down on you like a ton of bricks. Because if He does, it'll be proof that you are not an illegitimate child. But if He doesn't, then you need to be very afraid. Because you never knew the Lord. He eventually did repent. Praise God. But it was after the shepherd broke a couple of his legs. And that was very painful to him and to his family and to everybody in his church. It was awful. But he did repent and he was forgiven. But he continues to reap consequences to this very day over that. So what do we do with this text? Practical application ought to be really obvious. Don't do this. Do not go down this road. Don't do this. But I want to just highlight a few things. Number one, treasure the Lord and put Him first above all. Love His commandments. Because His commandments are not burdensome. It might seem that way to you, but they are not burdensome they are in fact life and light and guidance and blessing 
And there is great joy in following Jesus. Great joy. So treasure Him above all. And if you make the Lord your treasure, you will experience all the blessing that God has for you. And if you live a life where you're married, and you and your spouse both love and enjoy Jesus above all, Sex will be part of that, and you'll experience that blessing. And if you live your life and you put Jesus first above all and you never get married, guess what? When you get to heaven, you will not think to yourself, I have missed out. Because having followed Jesus, the rewards will far exceed anything you sacrifice to obtain them. Treasure Jesus above all. Treasure His commandments. Have a good offense. Self a good offense. Embrace your marriage. Embrace the mate that you have. One of the best verses on marriage that I know in all of the Bible is in the first couple chapters of Revelation where God speaks to the church at Ephesus. And he tells them that they're orthodox. He says, but I have one thing that I hold against you. He says, you have forgotten your first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. Good advice for every Christian. Good advice for every marriage too. Go back and do the things you did at first. Back in the day when you sat across a table from one another and you looked into each other's eyes and you talked and you listened and you connected soul to soul and you thought to yourself, I need myself about another 75 years of this. Do that. Whatever that is. Maybe you fell in love at the, you know, maybe you fell in love listening to... Uh, the banjo music. So you dig those old tapes out, you know. Maybe you fell in love polka dancing. I don't know. Okay. Whatever it is that you were into at first, go back and do that. Maybe you fell in love drinking coffee or having a walk. I fell in love with Karen the very first night that we spent time together. We, we I conned her so bad I did I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to admit it she thought it was like destiny or the spirit of God that had put us in line next to each other in this at at, at, uh, at this meal we were having Taylor University leadership conference no no I like elbowed and nudged and worked my way in the line right next to her I want to be next to this redhead and she had a friend with her a wingman and I just thought, well, you know what? I'm going to ask them both some questions about leadership and about the role they have. I'm going to have that role next year, and I'll just ask questions and see if I can get this cute redhead to talk to me. And sure enough, I did. And then Diana, God bless her forever, decided she needed to go like wash her hair or something and uh, cut out and left us alone until 2 in the morning. We walked and walked and walked around the loop. Taylor, you and I came home, called my sister the next morning, said, Lissa, I met the girl I'm going to marry. She goes, really? I said, yep, she doesn't know it yet. <laughs> but one day, <laughs> 18 months later, I put a ring on that finger. 
and uh, go back and do what you did at first. Strike the original match. Get yourself a good offense. And also, keep yourself a good defense. You need to have some barriers, some boundaries, some guardrails that you established for yourselves. That you keep. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to go into sin, what do you do? Cut it off. Jesus into amputees? No. But He is into holiness. So whatever you got to do to be faithful to and a blessing to your spouse, you do that. It means you got to change jobs, change jobs. If it means you've got to get yourself a flip phone with no internet connection, you get that. It means you've got to throw your computer in the dumpster, you do that. You do whatever is necessary to pursue holiness with God, blessing to your spouse, and flee from sin. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, You have spoken to us incredibly emphatically about the blessing that is ours in following You and the damage that we will inevitably experience if we reject Your commands. Father, help us to choose wisely. We are prone to wander. We are prone to get lost and to, to think that, well, I can be the exception here. I can violate God's commands and not only will it not bite me, but I'll just confess my sin later. Father, help us never to be so presumptuous on Your grace. Never to be so foolish and stupid and wicked as to think we can sin without consequence against a God who loves us and sees all things. And who judges with holiness. Father, help us to love You and to love holiness and to love uh, the person that You have connected us to. That's part of our life. More than everything else. More than temptation. More than sin. Let us love You and walk in Your ways. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.